0: on desiring the everlasting life and on the great rewards promised to those who fight manfully. The voice of the Lord My son, at times you are conscious of a longing for the eternal blessedness pouring into your heart from above. You are eager to leave the brief dwelling place of the body so that you can gaze at my glory where no shifting shadow dims it. Open up your heart then and with all the longing in you Drink in this holy inspiration. Offer abundant thanks to the goodness of heaven that deals so graciously with you, that visits you in mercy, stirs and kindles your soul, and mightily bears you up, lest your own weight drags you back to earth. You do not receive this gift by any aims and efforts of your own, but purely out of the graciousness of heaven's favor and the divine consideration for you, so that you may make progress in goodness and humility, Prepare yourself for future struggles and long with all the affection of your heart to stay close beside me and serve me with willing fervour. My son, when a fire is alight, the flames leap up, but there's often smoke as well. In the same way, there is in some people a flame of desire for heavenly things, yet they're not free from the temptation of worldly longings. So the petitions they offer so earnestly to God. Are not solely concerned with bringing honour to his name. Your own desires, which you say are so urgent, are often impure like this. For nothing can be pure and perfect when it is tinged with self interest. Do not ask for what you find delightful and convenient, but for what pleases and honours me. For if your values are right, you should prefer my command to your own desires, and seek my will rather than anything you have set your heart on. I have heard your sighs of longing. You would like to be in the glorious freedom of God's sons now. You already find delight in the thought of the everlasting home and the heavenly country where all is gladness. But that hour has not yet come. Another time is still with you, the time of fighting, the time of toil and testing. You desire to be filled with the great good, but you cannot have it now. I am he, wait for me, says the Lord, till the kingdom of God has come. You still have to be tested and exercised in many points here on earth. You will receive comfort sometimes, but you cannot have full contentment. So keep your courage high and play the man, both in doing and enduring what goes against the grain. You must be clothed in the new self, turned into a new man. You must often do things for which you have no inclination, and give up other things that you want to do. The things that please other people will go well. What pleases you will make no progress. What others say will be heard with attention. What you say will be thought worthless. Others will ask and will receive. You will ask and get nothing. Others will be much spoken of and praised. You will be passed over in silence. Others will be entrusted with one task or another, but you will be thought good for nothing. Your old nature will sometimes find this painful, and it's a great thing if you can endure it in silence. It's in situations like this that the faithful servant of the Lord is tested in his ability to deny his own nature and utterly crush his own inclinations. Your old self needs to be put to death most of all, perhaps, at those times when you have to see and submit to something that you do not like, especially when you are ordered to do inconvenient things that do not seem very useful. Since you are a man under authority, it is a question of not daring to resist the power set over you, and so you find it hard to give up all right to your own opinions and live your life at another's beck and call. But, my son, think of the harvest from these labors. Think of the end that will soon come and the very great reward to follow. Then you will not feel any burden but will experience strong comfort in your patience. For in place of this insignificant will of yours which you now resign of your own accord you will have your will in heaven always. There you will find everything you want everything you can desire. There all that is good will be yours to have without fear of ever losing it there, your will, for ever one with mine, will desire nothing for itself, nothing to which I am stranger. There, no one will stand in your way, and no one complain of you. No one will hinder you. Nothing will be an obstacle. But all you long for will be granted in a moment, and all your desires be completely satisfied and fulfilled. There, in return for the humiliation you have endured, I will give you glory, and you that went sorrowing, shall be gaily glad. Instead of the last place, you shall have a throne in the kingdom for ever. There you will reap the harvest of your obedience. The drudgery of penitence will be rewarded with joy, and your humble submission win a glorious crown. So in this present life, submit in humble obedience to all. Do not care who it was who said this, who it was gave that order, but take great care that whether it's a superior, a subordinate, or an equal who makes a request or gives you an order, you receive it all in good part and endeavor to carry it out in simple goodwill. Let other people set their hearts on all kinds of things. Let others boast of this or that and receive their countless praises. Your boast must lie in rejecting self and seeking my will and honor. The one thing you must desire is that in life or in death you may bring glory to God. The man who is deprived of spiritual peace should entrust himself to the hands of God, the disciple. O Lord God, blessings on your name now and forever, because what you will has been done, and what you do is good. May your servant find his joy in you, not in himself or any other. You alone are my true gladness. You are my hope and my reward. You, Lord, my joy and honor. Your servant has no powers that did not come by gift from you without any merit on his part. All is yours, both what you've given and what you've made. As the psalmist says, Ever since youth, misery and mortal sickness have been my lot. And sometimes my soul is so troubled that it weeps. The sufferings that surround it fill it with dismay. I long to know the joy of peace. I cry out for the peace that comes to your sons when they are fed by your hand in the brightness of spiritual comfort. If you grant peace, if you shower that holy joy upon me, the soul of your servant will be filled with melody, and he will devotedly sing your praise. But if you withdraw yourself, as you so often do, you will not find easy the path you have decreed. Rather, he will fall on his knees and beat his breast because things are no longer as they were before when your light shone above him and he was hidden under the shelter of your wings from the temptations that set upon him. Righteous Father, ever worthy of praise, the hour has come when your servant is to be tested. Beloved Father, it's right that your servant should at this hour endure something for your sake. Father, for ever to be worshipped, The hour has come, which you foresaw from endless ages past would come, when the world should think for a time that your servant had been destroyed, though in your sight his inward life never falters. Let him be sneered at for a while. Let him be crushed and humiliated in the sight of men. Let him be broken by suffering and exhaustion. But then he will rise again with you in the dawn of the new day and be filled with glory in the heavenly places. Holy Father, this was your command, your will. What you decreed has come to pass. When I am asked to endure suffering and trouble in this world for love of you, however frequent it may be, and whatever its cause, I count it as a favor shown by you to a friend. Without your counsel and foreknowledge, nothing happens on this earth. There never was ill without a cause. As the psalmist says, It was in mercy thou didst chasten me, "'schooling me to thy obedience "'so that I might discard "'all the arrogance and presumption of my heart. "'It was good for me to blush with confusion "'so that I should look to you for comfort "'rather than to men. "'This has taught me to tremble "'at your inscrutable verdict "'for you strike the godly man "'along with the ungodly "'and still you are righteous and just. "'I thank you for not being lenient "'with my evil ways.' but wearing me down with bitter blows, inflicting sorrows on me, and sending distresses within and without. Of all that exists beneath heaven, there is no one to comfort me but you, O Lord my God, the soul's divine physician. It is yours to smite and to heal, yours to bring men to the grave and to bring them back again. Your rod is over me, and your discipline shall teach me. Beloved Father, I am in your hands. I submit to your chastening rod. Strike my neck and my back, so that I may straighten out my crooked ways and bend myself to your will. Make me your loving, humble disciple, as you know so well how to do, and then I will direct my steps in obedience to your slightest wish. I commit to your correction myself and all that is mine, for it's better to be called to account in this life than in the one to come. You are aware of all things every single thing nothing in the conscience of man can escape your notice you know what is coming before it happens and you do not need anyone to tell you what men are doing on earth you know what will help me to progress and how the rust of sin can be cleaned off by suffering carry out your desire and pleasure with me and do not scorn my poor sinful existence which you know more fully and clearly than anyone Grant, O Lord, that I may know what I ought to know and love what I ought to love, that I may praise what most pleases you, value what is precious in your eyes, and reject what you find vile. Do not leave me to judge by appearances or to base my opinions on the ignorant rumors of men, but give me discernment and right judgment in earthly and spiritual matters, and help me to set your will and your good pleasure above all things. Men's senses are fallible and often lead to false judgments and lovers of this world are misled by their exclusive passion for visible things. Does it make a man any better to be thought highly of by men? When one man praises another one deceiver is misled by another one fool by another the blind by the blind and the weak by the weak and this empty praise will really make a man look foolish in the end. For as the humble St. Francis said, A man is what he appears in God's eyes, and not the slightest bit more. You must press on with humble works when you fall short of the highest ones. The voice of the Lord My son, you cannot keep up a really fervent longing for goodness, nor spend all your time on the heights of contemplation, The essential sinfulness of your nature means that you must come down from time to time to lower things and submit to the burden of mortal life in spite of your unwillingness and loathing. As long as you wear a mortal body, you will know restlessness and a heavy heart. While you live in the flesh, the burden of the flesh will prove a sorrow to you, for it will not let you devote yourself to spiritual thoughts and contemplation of God without interruption. At such times it's best for you to turn to lowlier outward activities and refresh your soul in good works, confidently waiting for me to come and visit you from on high. Bear your exile and the dryness of your soul with patience until I come to you again and you are freed from all your anxieties. For I will make you forget your unhappiness and grant you peace in your heart. I will spread out before you the green fields of the Scriptures so that your heart is opened wide and the path I have decreed lies easy before you. And then you will say, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. A man should consider himself unworthy of any spiritual comfort, and fit only for punishment. The disciple, Lord, I am not worthy to receive your comfort or any spiritual visitation. You treat me as I deserve when you leave me helpless and alone. If I could weep an ocean of tears, I would still be unworthy of your comfort. I deserve nothing but torment and punishment because I have so deeply and so often offended you and sinned so grievously on so many occasions. If a true account is rendered, I am found unworthy of the slightest comfort. But you, O God, are merciful and compassionate, and do not wish your works to perish, but intend rather to display in those who are objects of your mercy how rich your goodness is. Your servant can never deserve it, and yet you grant him comfort beyond all human measure, for your comfort is utterly unlike the words that men can offer. What have I done, Lord, to deserve any heavenly comfort? As far as I can recall... I have not done anything good, but have always been ready to sin and slow to mend my ways. That's the truth, and I cannot deny it. If I were to say anything else, you would stand there against me, and there would be no one to defend me. What I deserve for my sins is hell and everlasting fire. I honestly confess that I have earned every kind of scorn and insult, and I am not fit to be named among those who follow you devoutly. I don't like hearing this, yet for truth's sake I will accuse myself and blame my own wrongdoing. Then it will be easier for me to win your mercy. I am guilty and covered with confusion. What can I say? There is nothing I can say but this. I have sinned, O Lord, I have sinned. Have mercy on me and forgive me. As Holy Job said, For a little leave me to myself to find some comfort in my misery. Soon I must go to a land of darkness, death's shadow over it. The one thing that you ask of the guilty, miserable sinner is repentance and shame for his sins. For where there's true repentance and humbling of the heart, hope of mercy is born. The troubled conscience finds peace, lost grace is restored, man is saved from the vengeance that draws near, and God meets the penitent soul with a loving, holy kiss. O Lord, when the humble repentance of sinners is offered up before you, you take pleasure in the sacrifice. Its perfume is sweeter than incense as it rises up before you. This is the precious ointment that you wished to have poured on your holy feet. For a heart that is humbled and contrite you have never disdained. There is the place of refuge from our enemy's rage. There is the place where every mark and stain is cleansed and washed away. The grace of God cannot be combined with worldly-mindedness. The voice of the Lord. My son, my grace is a precious thing. It cannot be combined with outward interests and earthly comforts. If you want to receive grace, you must throw aside everything that will stand in its way. Find a secret place for yourself, and make it your delight to spend your time there alone. Instead of talking to other people... Pour out to God your prayers of devotion Then you will keep your heart repentant And your conscience clear Let the whole world be valueless to you And above every external thing But the need to be free for God You cannot be free from me And at the same time Be finding delight in things that pass away You have to separate yourself From those you know and love And keep your heart free Of all the comfort of this world That is why the blessed Apostle Peter calls upon Christ's faithful followers to be like strangers and exiles in this world and to keep themselves apart. A man can die with confidence when no links of affection bind him to this world. But the spirit that is sick cannot keep the heart detached from everything like that and the natural man is incapable of understanding the freedom the spiritual man enjoys. Yet if he really desires to be a spiritual man he has to renounce every human claim distant or near and be on his guard against no one so much as himself. If you have conquered yourself you will find it easier to overcome other things. It's the triumph over one's own nature that means full victory. For when a man has himself under control so that every desire submits to reason and reason submits to me then he is really victorious over self. And is master of the world, if you aspire to scale such heights, you must make a bold beginning, lay the axe to the root, and tear out that secret, undisciplined inclination for your own will and anything that promises material personal benefits. Man is far too uncontrolled in love of self, and you will find that this fault is the cause of nearly everything that needs to be uprooted and destroyed. Once self-love has been subdued and conquered, you will know great peace and quietness. Very few people make any effort to die completely to their own interests, and they do not try wholeheartedly to leave themselves behind. This is why they remain tied up in their own natures, and cannot be raised above themselves in spirit. If a man desires to walk in liberty with me, it is essential that he put to death all his sinful and undisciplined emotions and no longer cling to any created thing with longing or affection. The Different Effects of Nature and Grace The voice of the Lord My son, you must carefully observe the effects of nature and of grace because they operate very differently and the subtle distinction between them and be marked only by an enlightened and spiritual man Everyone aims at what is good and makes some pretension to it in his words and actions That is why many people are deceived by an imitation of goodness Nature is cunning It misleads people and tricks and deceives them and always has its own interest at heart But grace walks honestly and openly It avoids all that has a look of evil about it And it lays no traps It does everything solely for the sake of God In whom it finds its ultimate rest Nature is not prepared to be put to death Or to be subdued and overcome It does not want to be under control Or to submit of its own free will But grace aims at putting the old nature to death And it resists the desires of the body It's eager to submit And longs to be ruled it does not want to be independent, but loves to be under discipline. It has no wish to lord it over anyone, but is prepared to live its whole life and spend its whole existence subject to the will of God, and for love of the Lord to submit humbly to every kind of human authority. Nature labours for its own good and looks to see what advantage it can get from somebody else. But grace does not consider its personal convenience and advantage but rather what will do most good to others. Nature is always ready to accept respect and honor, but grace faithfully attributes all honor and glory to God. Nature is afraid of humiliation and contempt, but grace rejoices when it suffers indignity for the sake of Jesus' name. Nature likes idleness and physical ease, but grace cannot endure to be unoccupied and gladly undertakes all kinds of toil Nature is eager to possess rare and beautiful things and loathes common and coarse ones But grace finds its delight in what is simple and humble It is not repelled by the repulsive and it does not refuse to put on worn-out clothes Nature has its eye on temporal things and is pleased by worldly advantage It is unhappy when it suffers loss and any slighting word can make it angry. But grace is concerned with eternal things, and has no interest in anything temporal. In material loss, it feels no distress, and when hard things are said, it feels no resentment, for its treasure and its joy are laid up in heaven, where nothing ever is lost. Nature is greedy, and is more ready to receive than give. It loves exclusive, unshared things. Grace is loving and generous it rejects private advantage and is content with little thinking it more blessed to give than to receive Nature inclines to material things and gratification of self towards useless gathering about Grace gravitates towards God and goodness it renounces material things and tries to avoid the world it loathes the longings of the body It curbs the desire to wander abroad and hates the thought of appearing in public. Nature likes to experience outside comforts which bring satisfaction to the senses. But grace seeks its comfort in God alone and beyond all visible things it looks to the supreme good for its delight. Nature does everything for its own gain and advantage. It cannot do anything for nothing but is always hoping for something as good or better, some praise or favor in return for its good deeds. It wants anything it does or gives or says to be appreciated. Grace does not look for anything in this world and it asks for no reward but God. It only wants the necessities of this life insofar as they help it to win eternal life. Nature is pleased when it has many friends and associates, It glories in high place and noble birth. It smiles on the powerful, flatters the rich, and applauds those like itself. But grace loves even its enemies, and is not pleased with itself when it has a crowd of friends. It thinks nothing of position or high birth, unless there's goodness there as well. It favors the poor rather than the rich, and feels more sympathy with the innocent than with the powerful. It rejoices at the victory of truth, not falsehood and it's always urging men to prize the best gifts of heaven and to grow more like the Son of God in goodness Nature is quick to complain of want and difficulty but grace bears hardship without giving way Nature diverts everything to its own ends and it struggles and argues on its own account Grace leads everything home to God the source from whom it comes It does not credit itself with anything good or make any arrogant claims. It's not pushing. It does not force its views on others. But whatever it feels, whatever it thinks, it submits itself to the eternal wisdom and the scrutiny of God. Nature is always eager to know secrets and hear news. It wants to go out into the world and have all kinds of experiences. It longs to be recognized and do things that earn praise and admiration. Grace has no interest in hearing new strange things because all this springs from our age-old corruption and there can be nothing new or lasting here on this earth. Grace teaches a man to keep his senses in check, to avoid empty complacency and ostentation and to concede in humility all that might be praised and admired. And from all that happens and in all he learns he teaches him to seek the harvest of usefulness and the praise and the glory of God. Grace does not want itself or its doings talked about, but it does want God to be blessed where all his gifts are concerned, for he sends all his gifts purely out of love. Grace like this is a supernatural light, a special gift of God. It's the seal of the elect and a pledge of eternal salvation. It raises a man from earthly things to love of heavenly ones, and it makes him spiritual where he was unspiritual before. As nature is curbed and subdued, grace flows in more richly, and the inward man is visited anew, and daily remade in the image of God. On the corruption of nature and the efficacy of divine grace The Disciple O Lord God, who created me in your image and your likeness, Grant me this wonderful grace which is so necessary for my salvation so that I may overcome this evil nature of mine which draws me away to sin and destruction. For I am conscious of a disposition towards sin in my lower self which goes against the disposition of my conscience and hands me over captive so that I do as my body commands. I am powerless to withstand his longings without the help of your holy grace burning within my heart. I need your grace, and I need so much of it, if I am to overcome nature, which even in youth is so bent towards evil. For through the first man, Adam, nature fell and was spoiled by sin, and every man has inherited the penalty of that stain. When you created nature, it was good and upright, yet by nature we now mean the faultiness and weakness of corrupt nature. For when it is left to itself, Every impulse it feels is for the lower and the bad. Some feeble powers have survived, like a spark hidden under the ashes. The natural reason still exists. Thick darkness surrounds it, yet it can still judge good and bad, and distinguish true and false. But it's not strong enough to put into effect what it knows is good, because it no longer has the full light of truth and its former healthy affections the result of all this is that inwardly I applaud your disposition O God I know that your command is holy right and good and I realize I must flee all sin and evil but as St. Paul says my natural powers are at the disposition of sin and so I obey my body rather than my mind that is why as he says praiseworthy intentions are always ready to hand but I cannot find my way to the performance of them That's why I am always making good resolutions, but if there is no grace to help my weakness, I retreat and give in to the slightest opposition. That's why I recognize the path to perfection and see clearly enough how I should behave, but the burden of my wicked nature weighs me down, and I cannot rise to better things. O Lord, I need your grace so much if I am to start anything good, or go on with it, or bring it to completion. Without grace I have no power to do anything but nothing is beyond my powers if your grace gives strength to me. True grace of heaven without it personal achievement and natural gifts are worthless. Without grace riches and skills beauty and strength intellect and eloquence carry no weight O Lord with you. For natural gifts are common to good and bad alike but grace or divine love is a special gift of the elect. It's a mark set upon them that gives them fitness for eternal life. And so important is it that without it, the gift of prophecy, the working of miracles and deep speculation all count for nothing. Not even faith and hope and other virtues are acceptable to you if charity and grace are not there also. Blessed Grace You make the poor in spirit rich in goodness and the rich man you make humble in his heart. Come down to me and pour out your comfort on me soon or my soul will faint from weariness and dryness. Lord, I beseech you to look on me in mercy for your grace is enough for me if I am denied the things that nature desires. If I am tempted and troubled by misfortunes I will not fear any harm while your grace is with me. Your grace is my strength and it brings help and counsel. It's stronger than any enemy and wiser than all the wise. It teaches a man the truth and guides him in discipline. It gives light to the heart, brings comfort in distress and puts sorrow to flight. It takes away fears, nourishes devotion and induces tears of repentance. Without grace, I am dead wood, a useless stump. Fit only for throwing away. So, Lord, may your grace always go behind and before me, and enable me to devote myself continually to good works, through Jesus Christ your Son. Amen. We must reject the claims of self and follow Christ's example through the cross. The voice of the Lord, my Son, you can only enter into my being as you escape from your own it is when you desire nothing from the world outside that inward peace will be yours and it's when you give up self in your inmost thoughts that union with God will become a reality it is my will for you to learn complete denial of self accepting my will without rebellion or complaint follow me I am the way I am truth and life without the way There's no traveling without the truth no knowing without the life no living I am the way you must follow the truth you must believe the life you must hope for I am the way that cannot go astray the truth that cannot mislead the life that cannot end I am the straightest way the highest truth I am the true life the blessed life THE UNCREATED LIFE IF YOU KEEP TO MY WAY YOU WILL COME TO KNOW THE TRUTH AND THE TRUTH WILL SET YOU FREE AND THEN YOU WILL LAY HOLD ON ETERNAL LIFE IF YOU HAVE A MIND TO ENTER INTO LIFE KEEP THE COMMANDMENTS IF YOU HAVE A MIND TO KNOW THE TRUTH BELIEVE IN ME IF YOU HAVE A MIND TO BE PERFECT SELL ALL YOU HAVE IF YOU HAVE A MIND TO BECOME MY FOLLOWER RENOUNCE YOURSELF If you have a mind to be exalted in heaven, make yourself humble on earth. If you have a mind to share my kingdom, carry the cross with me. For it is only the servants of the cross that find the way of blessedness and true light. The Disciple Lord Jesus, your way was narrow and despised in this world. Grant that I may follow in your steps amidst the world's contempt. For a disciple is no better than his master, nor servant than his Lord. Let the thought of your life occupy my mind, for it's there that my salvation and my true holiness lie. Nothing else I read or hear can refresh me or bring me real delight. The Lord, my son, you've read all this and you know it. You will be blessed if you put it into practice. The man who loves me is the man who keeps my commandments. I will love him and will show myself to him and will make him sit beside me in the kingdom of my Father. The disciple, Lord Jesus, grant that I may one day know this promise fulfilled in my life. I have taken up my cross. I have taken it from your hand. I will carry it and carry it till my death in obedience to the command you have laid on me. How true it is, that the good monk's life is all a cross but it leads the way to paradise I've undertaken this thing and I may not turn back or give up my purpose come then my brothers we must press on together for Jesus will be with us it's for Jesus' sake that we've taken up this cross for Jesus' sake we must go on with it we have a leader who marches at our head and he will help us look look It's our King that goes before us, and he will fight for us. Let us follow boldly, none of us afraid, every one of us ready to die in battle. We must never leave cause to question our honor by drawing back from the cross. A warning against excessive dejection when life seems to go wrong. The voice of the Lord. My son, I am more pleased to see patience and humility when things are difficult than a state of devotion and spiritual joy when all goes well. Why let yourself be made unhappy by some little thing said against you? Even if it had been a bigger thing, it should not have disturbed you. As it is, let it pass. It is nothing new, and it is not the first occasion. And if you live for any length of time, it will not be the last. You are strong enough. As long as nothing difficult comes your way, you are also good at giving advice, and you know how to speak words of comfort to others. But when an unexpected trouble comes knocking at your door, your strength and advice disappear. You must give your attention to your own weakness, which is often enough revealed to you when you face quite little problems. All the same, this sort of thing is sent to help your salvation. Whatever the trouble, Put it out of your heart as best you can Even if it does touch you Do not let it depress you Or keep you concerned for too long If you cannot bear it joyfully Bear it patiently at least Even if it makes you angry and indignant Restrain your feelings Do not allow past your lips Any uncontrolled word That will hurt the conscience of my little ones All the commotion that has been stirred up Will soon die away and your inward pain will be turned to sweetness by the renewal of grace. I am still living, says the Lord, and I am ready to help you and comfort you more than you ever known if you trust me and call on me devoutly. Take things more calmly and brace yourself to endure things better. Everything is not ruined if you often find yourself in difficulty and facing strong temptation. You are man, not God. You're a mortal creature, not an angel. How could you possibly maintain an unchanging state of virtue when it proved impossible for the angels in heaven and Adam in paradise? It's mine to comfort the mourner with new hope, and it's those who know their own weakness that I raise to my divinity. The Disciple Lord, blessings on what you've said. It's sweeter to my taste than honey from the honeycomb. What should I do in all these troubles and difficulties without the comfort of your holy words? Provided that one day I reach the harbor of salvation, what do I care how much I suffer first? Grant me a good end. Grant me a happy passage from this world. Remember me, O my God, and guide me by a straight path to your kingdom. Amen. are not prying into the secrets of God's judgments or other exalted things. The voice of the Lord My son, beware of arguing about deep questions and the secrets of God's judgments. Do not discuss why one man is left to himself while another is accepted into such a state of grace, why one man suffers so much and another is advanced in every way. Things like this are beyond man's understanding. And no reasoning or discussion can find the answer where the judgments of God are concerned. So if the enemy suggests it to you, or if you find men being curious and asking this sort of question, reply in the words of the prophet, So just, Lord, thou art, thy awards are truly given, or this, How unerring are the awards which the Lord makes, one and all giving proof of their justice. My judgments are to be feared. Not discussed, for they are incomprehensible to man. Besides this, do not investigate or discuss the merits of the saints, arguing which one is holiest or greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Such questions are often the cause of quarrelling and useless argument. They encourage pride and empty boasting, and these in turn give rise to ill will and dissension, where one man arrogantly gives a preference to this saint and one man to another. If you want to know things like that and spend time looking for the answers, you get no profit from it and it displeases the saints. God is the author of peace, not of disorder, and this peace consists of true humility, not exaltation of self. Some people are drawn strongly towards one saint or another by the very warmth of their affection, but it's a human emotion, not a God-inspired one. I am the foundation of all the saints. I gave them grace and granted them glory. I know the merits of each one. I went before them with the blessings of my sweetness. I knew my beloved ones from before time began. I drew them out from the world. They did not first choose me. I called them by my grace. I drew them by my mercy. I led them through all kinds of temptations. I poured out marvellous comfort on them. I gave them perseverance. I rewarded their patience. I know the greatest and the least I embrace them all with a love that cannot be told I am to be praised for all my saints blessed and honored above all for everyone for it was I that chose them out and made them great and glorious when they had no merit of their own anyone who fails to honor one of the least of my saints fails to honor the great for I made great and little alike anyone who disparages one of the saints disparages me and all others in the kingdom of heaven they are all one bound together by love their thoughts and their wills are one and mutual love unites them and what is nobler still they love me more than themselves and their own merits they are wrapped outside themselves raised beyond love of self they pass all together into love for me and there they rest in joy nothing can turn them away or cast them down from there for they are filled with the eternal truth and burn with the flame of inextinguishable love. So, people who are still worldly and unregenerate must argue no more about the standing of the saints, for the only love they know is one that serves their personal pleasure. Such people add or take away according to their own inclinations, not in accordance with the eternal truth. There is much ignorance, particularly in those who have received little enlightenment and who rarely learn how to love anyone with a perfect spiritual love. They are drawn to this person or that by natural affection or human friendship, and they imagine that heavenly beings live in the same state as they do here below. But there is a world of difference between the thoughts of imperfect men and the insight given by revelation from above to men who are spiritually enlightened. So, my son, you must beware of curiosity and meddling with things beyond your understanding. Instead, make it your business and concern to be found in the kingdom of heaven yourself, even if you are the least significant there. Even if a man knew which saint was more holy than another, or who was considered greatest in the kingdom of heaven, this knowledge would do him no good unless it made him humble himself before me and rise up to praise my name still more. God is much more pleased with a man who thinks about the greatness of his own sins and the poverty of his own virtues and how far off he is from the perfection of the saints than he is with a man who debates which of the saints is more or less important. It's better to entreat the saints with prayers and tears of devotion and humbly ask of their glorious intercession than to indulge in empty curiosity and trying to search out their secrets. The saints are well content. If men know how to be contented and to check their foolish speaking, they do not glory in any merits of their own, that they do not credit themselves with any goodness but ascribe it all to me, since I gave them all out of my boundless love. They are so filled with love of God and with overflowing joy that their glory is complete and nothing could increase their happiness. The higher the saints are in glory, the humbler they are in themselves. And the closer and dearer they are to me This is why you find it written They fell down in worship before him who lives for ever and ever And threw down their crowns before God And fell on their faces before the Lamb Many people ask who is the greatest in the kingdom of God When they do not know whether they themselves Will be fit to be reckoned among the least It is a great thing to be even the least in heaven Where everyone is great Because they will all be the sons of God And that will be their name As Isaiah says The meanest of them shall be ancestor to a thousand And young he that dies a hundred years old When the disciples asked Who was the greatest in the kingdom of heaven This is the reply they received Unless you become like little children again You shall not enter the kingdom of heaven He is greatest in the kingdom of heaven Who will abase himself like this little child. Woe upon those who are too proud to humble themselves with little children. For the lowly door of the heavenly kingdom will not let them through. Woe upon those who are rich. They have their comfort already. For when the poor are going into the kingdom of God. They will stand outside weeping. Rejoice you who are humble. Be glad you who are poor. For the kingdom of God is yours if only you are following the way of truth hope and confidence must be fixed on God alone the disciple O Lord God whose mercies cannot be counted you are my confidence in this life my greatest comfort of all that exists beneath heaven when did things ever go well for me without you when could they ever go ill when you were there I would rather be in poverty for your sake than be rich and lose your presence. I would rather wander this earth and have you near me than possess heaven itself without you. Where you are, there heaven is too. Where you are not is death and hell. You are all I long for, and so I must needs reach out to you with tears and cries and prayers. There is no one but you, my God, on whom I can rely to stand by me and help me in my need you are my hope and my confidence my comforter faithful in all things one and all have their own interests at heart but you intend nothing but my salvation and my progress and make everything contribute to my good you may expose me to all kinds of temptations and misfortunes but it's all planned for my benefit for you always test those you love in all kinds of ways when you test me like this you are worthy of love and praise no less than if you are filling me with heavenly comfort wherever I look outside you there is weakness and inconstancy and so, O oh God, my Lord in you I find my only hope and refuge and with you I leave my troubles and my sorrows crowds of friends will be of no use to me and strong supporters will have no power to help Wise counselors will not give good advice And learned books will give no comfort No precious substance will liberate No lovely hidden spot to protect Unless you draw near Help, comfort and console me Teach me and keep me safe For all the things that seem to contribute to our peace and blessedness Are ineffective And can bring no happiness without you You are the goal of all that's good You are true sublimity of life, true depth of wisdom, and your servants find their most lasting comfort if beyond all things they rest their hopes in you. I look to you, I trust in you, my God and merciful Father. Bless my soul and sanctify it with the blessing of heaven so that it may become your holy dwelling place, the resting place of your eternal glory. In this temple... Where your greatness dwells, let nothing be found which can offend your eyes, O God of Majesty. Look down upon me in the wealth of your goodness, in the abundance of your pity. Hear the prayer of your poor servant, a far-off exile in the land of the shadow of death. Protect and preserve the soul of your servant amidst all the dangers of this mortal life. Send grace to accompany him and guide him by the way of peace to the land of everlasting glory. Amen. depth of wisdom and your servants find their most lasting comfort if beyond all things they rest their hopes in you I look to you I trust in you my God and merciful Father bless my soul and sanctify it with the blessing of heaven so that it may become your holy dwelling place the resting place of your eternal glory in this temple where your greatness dwells Let nothing be found which can offend your eyes, O God of majesty. Look down upon me in the wealth of your goodness, in the abundance of your pity. Hear the prayer of your poor servant, a far-off exile in the land of the shadow of death. Protect and preserve the soul of your servant amidst all the dangers of this mortal life. Send grace to accompany him and guide him by the way of peace to the land of everlasting glory. Amen.